I think you need to lift your chair up. You have allowed yourself to sink into the floor, my friend. There you are. Okay. We're nearly at the same level. And we're back. Actually, I think I'm taller than you are now. No. <laughs> Never. I'm slouching. It's impossible. I think it's your hair. Okay. Okay. You want me to change that too? What else can I change for you, Jenna? Oh, no, you're great. <laughs>
Okay. Okay. So things get crushed and then they get put in the press. I think, yeah, I think those are two different places. Unless you crush it in the wine press and then the wine press lowers But from it's above. at least two different actions. It's two I different see. steps process. in the process. Got it. Yeah. So since you asked, Jenna, the dictionary definition of crushing. <laughs> I don't which, think I asked, but well, I want to hear it. I mean, you said, so this isn't a dictionary definition, and it wasn't. But now I am going to give you a dictionary definition. Okay. The crushing we're talking about compress or squeeze forcefully hmm. so as to break, damage, or distort in shape. Jeez, Lord. Yeah, intense, right? But there's a second definition. Fascinating, okay? Fascinating. The second definition of crushing. Actually, it might have been the first, and I'm reading the... Anyway. Causing overwhelming disappointment or embarrassment. Crushing. Wow. Wow, right? To be honest, I was more drawn in prayer to the pressing situation, but I'll save it for another day, aka the next time we talk. Oh, because is this the crushing chapter? This is crushing. We're talking about crushing, which is connected to, in our devotional study, the agony in the garden. The agony in the garden, which Claire does such a beautiful job of marrying these two biblical images of an olive being crushed and a grape being crushed, one for oil and one for wine. Yeah. Look at that. Claire, back at it. Okay, this last line, which we talked about, I think, a couple episodes ago. It was that good. Our deepest wounds become the very place of encounter with the suffering servant and his entry point into our inner life. I was thinking over the past like few days since we did our last episode, every time I'm encountering a moment of suffering now, I'm like, thanks, Lord. This is an entry point. <gasps> Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. You know how it is when there's this one thing that's said this one particular way, mm-hmm. and by the grace of God, there's an entry point yeah, into clicks. your heart. It yeah, clicks. Yes. It finally clicks. And that's what this like phrasing and realization mm. is for me, mm. that any point of suffering, even when I think ahead of like what's to come, like, oh, Lord, that sounds like it's going to be really awful mm. and a really painful conversation mm-hmm. or a really painful experience. And it's like, I guess there's an entry point for you and me. What did that do for you practically this week in the moment to have that kind of openness and faith? Yeah. First of all, there's truth in it and Mm. I've experienced it. So there's like assurance. Mm. There's a a confidence in that relationship with the Lord. Wow. You know? Yeah. And so there's. Like uh, excitement's the wrong word, but a a gratitude, I guess. Yeah, wow. Well, it's kind of anchoring, isn't it? Yeah. Like you have a context now for hard things. Totally. Yeah. It's just like an assurance into an even deeper relationship. So it's not necessarily something to be afraid of, you know? (laughs) I do. I wish I wouldn't have said wow (laughs) and interrupted the beauty of what you just said. Do you want me to say it again? Can you? I don't remember what I said. Exactly. <laughs> I ruined it. We Kelsey shared a reel the other day uh-huh. of, of you. <laughs> just like preaching. Yes. You were just yes. preaching. <laughs> and I lit- I could not keep my mouth closed. It was so embarrassing to me. I'm like, Beth, oh my goodness. I have money reels like that where I'm doing that. Mm, no, that's yes. so sweet. Yeah, BD. No, but yours is like so, it's like, mm. 
And I'm literally, I'm like yelling at you. Yes. Okay. What? Like, Beth, I didn't, I wasn't thinking this was going to be a real, you know what I mean? Kelsey, pulling out all the surprises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, really caught off guard by that. So anyway, I'm trying to temper that, but it's clearly not working. Wow. This was a very deep place of prayer for me mm. last year. Okay. Because the scripture came alive to me in a new way, the resurrection of Jesus. When Thomas okay. had missed the resurrection, you know, and Jesus invited him to touch his wounds. Thomas was out with his family. I don't know where Thomas, Thomas was. Thomas was having some lunch. Where do you think Thomas was that the Lord appeared to everyone else? How sad would you feel if you were the one apostle, disciple, not in the room? I'd be like, Lord, why didn't you wait till I was here? Jenna, this, yeah, this is, is what, this what you're going to talk about for so a year sorry. in a talk was sorry. like, can you imagine the disappointment of Thomas? And when he says like, I won't believe unless I touch the wounds in his hands, unless I see them myself, I won't believe. I won't believe your word, even though 11 of you are out of your minds with joy. Yeah. I, I actually don't know that he didn't believe. I just think he was so angry and disappointed. I'm sure. You know? Yeah. And then for Jesus to say to him, don't just look at my wounds, but he says, stretch out your hand and put it in my side. And for me, that led me to this place of like deep pondering. It was really the end of 2021 when you and I were coming out of that that season of suffering with COVID pneumonia. And I understood through the context of that scripture that in the same way Thomas reached out and through the wound in Christ's side, he encountered his heart, I understood that it happened in reverse, that through my wounds, Jesus was given access to my heart. Yeah. In fact, I remember experiencing this deep and new, mysterious intimacy with the mm. Lord. Like he had touched my heart in a particular way, like through a wound, similar to his, in his own heart. And and I said, what is that? <laughs> and it was, it was such a moment of grace. I just heard the Lord say COVID. Mm. Like the, the utter breaking down of my body and the fear and the helplessness and the prolonged physical suffering was the entry point into deeper guarded places in my heart that I think if I had my way with my own defenses, mm. I don't know that I could have let him in. Yeah. But because of this wound, suddenly now he has access into a deeper part of my heart. Yeah. And I, I in no way want to be irreverent to, to someone else's experience of suffering or particularly of COVID. But that, for me, that was my experience with the Lord. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? How would you diminish someone else's experience? Well, I don't know. I just, I don't know that everybody feels that way about their suffering. Well, I think that's the point. Yeah. You, but you know, it's like you can't rush people into that. Well, I think we're telling them that that's the truth. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's either like we believe this is the truth or we don't. Yeah. That all of our suffering, anguish, humiliations mm -hmm. are an entry point for the Lord to come deeper into our hearts. Mm. But you think no? I do. I mean, I do. I think this is huge, what you're talking about, how this is like framing. This could change everything. 
to view everything that we suffer, every bit of resistance or adversity, not just like physical suffering, but any kind of emotional pain. That's what Bella talks about this week, really, is is emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And to think that every negative experience in our lives is an entry point (laughs) for intimacy with the Lord. Even these words, a place of encounter with the suffering servant. We're not even forcing ourselves ahead like every wound can be redeemed. Mm. Every wound can be restored. Suffering. Yeah. Yeah. That's been the trajectory of my own prayer was really just staying with the crucified Christ in my own suffering and him changing my vision to see actually how beautiful he is, that he is the most Mm. beautiful in that crucified form. It's not a natural sight. Mm. It's a supernatural sight. There's an icon of Jesus. I'm sure you've seen it where he's wearing a crown of thorns and he has that, just his garment like draped over one Mm. shoulder. He's carrying like a reed and it's after the scourging or Mm. and after being crowned. Have you ever seen this icon? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it just looks like the suffering servant, you know, but the actual title of that icon is Christ the bridegroom. Wow. He is never more a lover than he is totally stripped and suffering for love giving his life for us. That's insane. That is when he is at the height of his identity as husband to us. Christ the bridegroom. Well, I do have one caveat. Okay. To trump your caveat. Here we go. (laughs) And you kind of mentioned it, I think, a couple episodes ago. But we don't have to go looking for suffering. Yes. Yeah. And if we are in suffering, in an abusive relationship, in Mm. a boundaryless relationship. Yes. Just because that suffering you've gone through is an entry point for the Lord does Mm. not justify staying in that relationship. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I wouldn't say this is a caveat so much as a footnote. Okay. This is a footnote. (laughs) This is an asterisk at the bottom of the book. And it says, if you are in a dangerous relationship that is causing you deep pain and suffering. Or even if you are in mental anguish, depression, anxiety, suffering with some kind of mental illness. We are in no way saying keep suffering Mm -hmm. so that you can give the Lord this entry point. The Lord himself would want you to experience life. God, the Holy Spirit, is the giver of life. So whatever that means for you, if that's counseling, if that's seeing a psychiatrist, if that's meds, if that's more sleep, do you know what I mean? Yes. We do what we can to care for our bodies and souls that are, I don't want to say entrusted to us, but. Hmm. So when I had COVID pneumonia, I got on steroids. Yeah. And I saw a doctor and I rested and I got, (laughs) I had a nurse come to the house and give me an IV, which was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) So we did what we could. And yet there was plenty Mm -hmm. for the Lord to enter into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also. The Agony in the Garden might be my favorite sorrowful mystery. Okay. I was really hoping we could talk about this. Okay. Actually, if you notice my notes here, I don't think you even saw them. You can look at them, Jenna. They're for us, you know? I just thought it could be cool if we would talk about the rosary. Okay. Because with this, this image, this like larger theme that scripture gives us of wine, new wine, 
and the natural world giving us kind of this process of a wine press, right? The crushing, the pressing. But we've kind of overlaid that with the sufferings of Jesus in the five sorrowful mysteries. So I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Whenever we talk about what's your favorite mystery, you always say... I love the luminous. The luminous <laughs> mysteries. Yes. And if I really press you, yes. you'll tell me one mystery that is your favorite. Institution of the Eucharist. No. That's not what you said at least last time Transfiguration. We no. Proclamation of the gospel. Wow. No. Not wedding at Cana. Nope. The last luminous Here, mystery. Here's where you threw me. It was an email you replied to. I send this T-mail to our team every week. How catchy is that, by the way? Well, wait, which mail. one are you talking about? You said if I had to choose mysteries, it would be luminous. Yes. But my favorite mystery is not from the luminous mystery. Agony of the Garden. Nope. Agony you, in the Garden. Nope. I could pull up the email right now. What is it? You said Descent of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that one's pretty awesome. <laughs> Where is that? Joyful? It's very hard. No. No. Glorious. glorious. Yeah. It's very hard to nail down. I, I get it. I greatly dislike the glorious mysteries. So the descent of the Holy Spirit is like a shining light in those mysteries for me. Isn't that the truth? I just so struggle with the glorious mysteries. But when I'm in them, I'm like, okay, okay, Lord, <laughs> I get it. But yeah, I would not choose the glorious mysteries. I honestly want you guys to comment below. Yeah. If you can, what is your favorite mystery set? And if you have to pick one mystery. Yeah, both things. We want to know. Which one? And if you are the glorious mysteries, tell us why. Because I want to love them. Yeah. Well, Liana helped us yes. at one point. She gave us... Liana is very holy. We're just waiting for Liana to write devotion, reflection, a whole book. Whole book. With all of her personal meditations on every mystery of the rosary. Yes. That's true. Her reflection, like how she prays with the assumption of Mary, like changed my life. She prayed about like the dignity of our bodies. I was like, excuse me? In I'm the just trying to picture Mary in heaven. <laughs> is she getting like, is it like a spaceship? It's just being, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, Liana's no. talking Liana? about the dignity of our bodies. <laughs> like, oh, you're amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but from the Sorrowful Mysteries. Yes. Agony in the Garden. Agony in the Garden. Talk to me. I just think the concept of waiting mm. is persistent in every single day of our lives. Yes. And so the fact that the Lord was there waiting for this thing to happen or knowing that it was coming, having this looming feeling of what was to come. I don't know if he had a looming feeling. I don't want to be theologically inaccurate. I'm not going to call you on it because I don't know. Yeah. I think the scripture says, John 13, and Jesus, I think it's John 13, 1, knowing that his hour had come and the Father had put all things into his hand and that, that he was returning to the Father. And this is me paraphrasing. You can call me on this. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's some sense of like his hour has come. Yes. He's walking into and the fulfillment of his mission on earth. Yes. And the fact that he said to the Lord, My father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So just this incredible posture of humility and surrender that Jesus unifies his heart and will. It's already unified. I know mm -hmm. they're, they're yes. one in the Trinity. But the example that he gives us. Yes. 
that we say this. I say this so often. God, I don't want that, but your will be done, mm-hmm. not mine. Mm-hmm. Is like literally, I just think it happens so much in our lives. And so it's a mystery that we get to really enter into so often. Mm-hmm. Sounds very trite. I don't mean it to be. No, it didn't. I was I was tracking with you. Do you know what I, as I was praying with this week's gospel, I don't know if it's it's Matthew or if I've just never noticed this before. Okay. But Jesus prays that twice. Mm. So you read... My father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So then he goes out. He finds the disciples asleep. Oh, wow. He comes back. Watch and pray that you might not come into temptation. We're going to pause right there and come right back to that in a moment. So then again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. Wow. This is on page 32, if you guys have your book. So there's there's even like a surrender in that. Like it's not the exact same prayer. It's if it be possible, let it pass from me. Then the second time, if it cannot pass, your will be done. Wow. It, it's, are you hearing that? Yes. Yeah. I've, I'd never, I'd always been like the one time Jesus said, you know, and I, it's not like I was th- thinking it, but I only ever thought he said it one time. Agreed. But I'm just so moved by the generosity of Jesus to show us that surrender takes time. Wow. Surrender takes time. He says it twice. He's not there yet. He goes out there asleep again, and then he comes back a third time saying the same words. Wow. Is that blowing your mind, or is it just me? Did you guys already know that? No. He prayed that one thing. I'm sorry. The way I'm saying that right now is the first time I've understood. He stayed with one thing. He prayed that one thing. Three times he prayed that are recorded. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Saying the same words. First of all, if that is not an endorsement to pray the rosary or to pray the Our Father, to pray rote prayers, Jesus himself prayed that way. I mean, he gave us Our Father, so I don't think anyone's arguing that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> Can't pray that prayer. Well, I'll take it up with the Lord. I don't know what to but tell you. You know what I mean. Yeah, the yeah, repetition. Yeah. The repetition. Yes. <laughs> wow. I think if we can now go back, <laughs> when Jesus comes and he finds Peter asleep, it well, first of all, it says, and he came to the disciples, right? There are three of them, and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter. Yikes, Peter. He was only talking to Peter in this moment. This is like when I talk to my oldest when the three kids are in trouble Mm -hmm. the three big kids yep because she's the leader yep wow okay he said to peter so could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation so the suffering of jesus in the agony was for peter it gave peter the opportunity to prepare to strengthen himself in the lord wow in preparation for that testing that was to come. And Peter just kept sleeping. And he went back to sleep. Bless him. This is me literally every single day when I set my alarm for 530. The Lord's being so merciful with me, but right now I'm feeling deeply convicted. Beth, you got to pray that you may not enter into temptation. Totally. (laughs) Totally. No, I'm John. He's not even talking to me. He's just letting John get some Z's, you know? He's like, look how cute John is when he's sleeping. That's what the Lord says to me when I fall asleep. He's like, I love looking at you asleep. 
the Lord's saying it to me. I'm Peter. He's like, stop eating that ice cream. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Everything that Jesus is suffering is for us. Mm-hmm. And not in some like abstract, super spiritual, mm-hmm. won't see the, the result of it, you know, for another decade. Like Peter was about to walk into temptation and the Lord was saying, wake up and start praying with me. Wow. And also, I'm suffering and I'm willing to suffer, Peter, because I know you're going to suffer. So he wasn't only asking Peter to pray for him, like it was for Peter and the Lord was with Peter. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. This gospel this week was very rich for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, final thought. We love the last line of this gospel. Rise, let us be going. Jesus says similar words at the end of the Last Supper when they're on their way down into the Garden of Gethsemane. Yep. And I'm just struck by the only preparation for suffering Hmm. for both Jesus and Peter was prayer. Yeah. If we want to be prepared for the suffering that will come just in our lives, for the suffering that we are enduring right now, the only remedy, the only preparation is prayer. That's good. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. It's it's literally right here. You right. Know? Yeah. Never saw it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was listening to this worship song on the way to Mass. Oh, what does she say? It's spontaneous. Okay. She says, um, I only know what you show me. I only know what you show me. Open my eyes. That's it. Mm. Spirit, reveal the sun to me. I only know what you show me. And the guy worshiping with her just goes, yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. It's so true. I've never seen that before mm-hmm. with my own eyes. The Spirit revealed that to me. All of that. I wonder why Peter and James and John weren't praying. Did they not know how? Mm. They were just sleepy town. I think it's late. I'd have to do some research. But I mean, this is after the Passover, right? So it's like a festival. They've probably been like... Partying. Yeah, busy and feasting, I think. Yeah. They had some wine. It's late. And Jesus walked away. He wasn't like Mm. staying with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I just, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Going on a little farther. So I just think he was out of sight for a moment. First of all, why did he walk away? Why didn't he let them come in with them? I don't know. Be with him. He just needed to be alone. Well, I think he needed the father. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine, like, when you're really in something, right? The only thing I can imagine would be, like, labor. Okay. Do you want Mike in labor? Can anybody do anything? No. That's all I can think of, you know? I see. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to understand myself is all the things that I let get in front of me, Mm. all the circumstances and wine and tiredness and festivaling that I let get in front of my own, like, set-aside prayer time with the Lord. And I think just, like, I've had a rough couple of days of not having prayer. And so I have like a lot of guilt and sadness for that, you know? And I'm like, Lord, what am I doing? I'm acting like Peter over here going to sleep. Anyway, I just tend to think that's pretty common. We're two for two here. I said I'm John sleeping and you are Peter sleeping. So I think it's a part of our human condition. Yeah. You know, what I have to really push against is that self-judgment 
mm. that really gets in the way. An- another word for it would probably be shame, you know, but the enemy's so slithery, you know? It's like the accusation changes just slightly, the words or the feeling. And so, I, like, I really have to fight against, like, the Lord's mad at me mm. because I fell asleep in prayer or, like, I don't love him mm. because I haven't been good at praying, you know? Yeah. Even though I think you and I would both agree, in the depths of us, there's nothing else we want. But mm-hmm. that's the thing we want more than anything else is that intimacy with him. Yes. But, yeah, there are obstacles. He does go like out of sight, or we lose sight of him, you know, mm-hmm. in our everyday life. And St. Paul talks about, it. he uses this language that we hear at the beginning of Advent to not become drowsy with the anxieties of daily life. And I, I just think yeah, it's very human mm-hmm. to just become weary is inviting us to persevere and not alone, you know, with him and him with us mysteriously. Yeah. I would also say that of all the mysteries in the Sorrowful Mysteries, uh-huh. the Agony in the Garden is my favorite. Okay. Until next week, we talk about the scourging, when I'll probably say that that one is my favorite. It's not allowed. And then the week after that, when oh, we get Atlanta. to the grounding with thorns, it's it's so hard because when you spend time in the mysteries, in the Gospels, you know, about about that mystery, about that suffering of Jesus... It becomes so personal Hmm. and everyone is your favorite because everyone is yours. Everyone is with him Mm -hmm. in in a unique way. Yeah, I never really loved the Sorrowful Mysteries. Interesting. Until we were sick. Okay. Yeah, I I feel like, did I share this on the previous one? No. That I, I just didn't like Holy Week. Oh, yes. I felt like I was in trouble all the time. I just wanted to, you know. Yeah. I didn't know how to sit with it in it and it wasn't until i was physically suffering even like emotional suffering i was different than than feeling it in your body mm. you know mm-hmm. but when you know i was like on oxygen in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep and was thinking do i go to the hospital <laughs> you know do i call an ambulance or pray a rosary pray to rosary mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the the potency of the sufferings of Jesus and the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary were so unitive. I actually, like, I think you'll understand this because I I don't want to sound like a masochist. Even as I started to heal and then later, you know, in in more recent seasons in prayer, there's almost a resistance for me to, like, bright and beautiful, Mm. light prayer. Like, I'm so at home Mm. in his wounds now. There's an intimacy available in suffering that is not available. It's not accessible, right? It's that, it's that principle Claire talks about, that those wounds become entry points. And so there's a part of it that's like, wait, I just, I like it here because I know you, Jesus, in such a vulnerable way. And, and I actually, I can't guard myself against your love when I'm suffering too. And so now there's a, a fuller experience a deeper receptivity to his love because I just don't have any defenses Mm -hmm. but you have that fuller experience in the light too yeah it's like even fuller I do now yeah I don't know that I did then yeah 
you know? I'm saying like now you're thinking I don't really want to go there. That's like want want. I yeah. want to like be here in the intimacy. Yeah. But that intimacy doesn't change. Yes. In those want want to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The joy and the laughter and the adventure of that is even fuller because of the intimacy. Yes. You know? Yes. Because of the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard this crazy statistic about how there was like a study about when people get out of prison okay. and they, they go re, back, they reoffend. Yes. It's called like recidivance or something. Okay. Do you know that word? Essentially, the study was how many people who get out of prison end up back in prison. And the number was pretty high. Mm-hmm. But then they did the study on how many people who were paroled who had been on death row come back. And it's like virtually none. They were on death row. Yes. Then they got out. They got paroled. They didn't come back. And they never offended again. Okay. And the the study, the person was kind of like pondering, what is that? Yeah. Why are why is a person so changed? It's like they have a new lease on life. There's like a new appreciation for life because they had no hope. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be the end. Yeah. And I, I think there's a similar principle here. Like when you're in the suffering and then now you're in the light, it's like... Mm-hmm. I can absorb the light instead of trying to soak up the light while at the same time trying to kind of block out these other parts of me that are not really ready for the light. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Or I think I try to soak up the light because I'm afraid it's going to go away because mm. I'm afraid of what's on the other side. Wow. And now that I feel like I've surrendered to the entry point and I've experienced one portion of it, of suffering and intimacy with the Lord... I don't have to be afraid of what that would look like in the future. Yes. I know there's so much more for me. Like he's digging an even deeper well, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful, Jennifer, for what you shared about kind of adopting this lens in the midst of hard things. How did you put it at the beginning of the episode? Like, oh, this is an entry point. Yeah. I think Claire said it. In her book? No, she didn't. Yeah. She said it's an entry point. But she didn't say in the midst of suffering. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yes. How I've been thinking about it in the, like actual examples happening this week. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's just an entry point for you, Lord. It's just unbelievable. Like, I don't think you know how holy that is, <laughs> you know? I don't wish for suffering. I'm not going looking for suffering, you know? Right. But in the world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. Jesus says. So I'm I'm looking forward to applying that <laughs> that wisdom. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pray? Let's do it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for this conversation. Thank you, God, for your word and for illuminating it in a beautiful way for us today, Lord. Thank you for showing us something new, for opening our eyes, for the grace to make things click, God. Lord, I ask your presence to come upon each and every woman listening, that she may know and feel your presence. She would find comfort in who you are, that she would know that your arms are outstretched to her to welcome her in. And that right there in your embrace, God, is home. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy that calls to us when we're falling asleep or turning our gaze away from you. Thank you for your mercy that calls us by name. Lord, we surrender to you. 
not our will, but your will be done. And we give you all of the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, PD. Thanks, Jenna. Feeling very peaceful. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.